0: Mean,
1: (laughs) you're right. Someday I'll be living in a big old city, and all you're ever gonna be is mean. Why you gotta be so mean? Might
0: have been mean, but it might have been true.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, that's also so mean. I'm hanging out right
0: now. Y'all are terrible. Uh, I'm
1: just going to console myself with a nice long sip of cappuccino. I,
0: I so think. The I, I, I think, John, you need to you need to pr- prove your musical prowess uh, for next week. You need your drum kit set up, and um, I don't know. We'll, we'll do a 29 minute drum solo. Um, that sounds like a perfect <laughs> ending. Idea. With I don't know some useful techni- techni- technical technical <laughs> technical tidbit. <laughs>
1: like like how to set a how to set a drummer and a set of drums on fire
0: (laughs) 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 so other than crying uncontrollably in in pain from uh the the nasty things said to you on twitter um (laughs) um you know what else have you been up to this week
1: well, I have actually had a glorious week, so I can't really complain that much. Uh one is that I, I went to the this this screening event for the season two of of this uh program on a competing network. Um and I love the show so much. I'm willing to watch. It's a Hulu show called Woke, and it is really great. It's based on the life of this cartoonist, uh, cartoonist called Keith Knight. And I don't want to get into that. I mean, I, I mean, I would love to, but I'll spare our audience about this. I'll just add it to the show notes. It was it was good. But it, it, what was nice about it was it was held at the Cartoon Art Museum, which. Um, those of you who have come to WWDC in years past when it used to be held in person uh, and held in San Francisco, one of the most interesting fundraising events was held at the Cartoon Art Museum because one of the people who's on the board of directors is none other than Michael Wave Johnson, who who really always gave such great uh, lunchtime presentations that that had such a positive impact on on my life and my thinking and certainly tons of other people who attended. It was nice to see that happen again in in, in the world. So that's my happy thing. Um, the second happy thing is that I got to go to our, our new LA office uh, yesterday, and my gosh, it's it's really nice office, I have to say. And I got to fly on a on an air shuttle that we maintain uh, for sending people back and forth between San Jose and the and Burbank Airport um, because there's people that work across. And the reason I bring that up is because I it was great, grand, and glorious to be able to meet people. Uh, first of all, that I haven't seen in, or hadn't met in person because of of being in 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 Zoom Siberia, but more importantly is this this idea that you know if you're going to build a product, <laughs> you need to work with, you need to to have good relationships with people all across the the company who are working on different things. So you know if if you do things that require legal concerns, it's really nice to to be able to meet with the lawyers in person. More importantly, if you're working on mobile product and you know, you're dealing with issues related to the production of, of of the video that goes into it from an artistic perspective. It's really nice to be able to work together side by side to be the people that, that are doing that. And that's one of the reasons why I went down to L.A. Um, but and the third thing, um, and I will shut up after this or I will make the pause that will go into the technical tidbits of, of this segment, uh, is that. Uh, in Hollywood, apparently, they really are very uh, tuned towards film production. There's all sorts of infrastructure, so I figure if I'm in LA, I better make some movies. And I made what I thought was a very good um, film, talking about film. A very good, yeah. It was actually shot, so I won't call it a screen movie because it was filmed on the on the, on the device. Um, and it was talking about about accessibility labels and how to be careful about choosing them to be able to really make it clear what's going on, on the screen, how to think about them in the same way that audio description uh, is, is thought about when when you know, describing what's going on the screen when there's no dialogue. And that's something that happens in Los Angeles, and that's a huge effort that's put into that uh, as an accessibility technology that makes Netflix beautiful for people who, 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 who can't see. So um, I'm going to pause for a second and say, would you like, would you, I'm going to pause for a second so you can say some things, and then I can catch my breath and maybe I can go a little bit more in depth.
0: Well, I mean, I think if we're, I mean, by all means, catch your breath in there, but uh, but uh, yeah, let's. Um, if we're going to go a bit more into depth on this, let's let's go straight into it rather than, than break it up. So, uh, take a few more swigs of yep. cappuccino, and uh, then we will. Um...
1: One moment, please cappuccino. It's not just a technology for building web apps using familiar desktop API from 20 years ago. It's also a nice way to start yeah. the day.
0: Some of our, list, our listeners may not even have been born when you were last using that. Uh, okay, okay. That's true. So, I mean, uh, basically, based on okay. the slurping sounds, I think we will be getting requests for you to start singing again as a preference. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we must thank Michael Curtis for his tweet. We must name him because um, he, he deserves it for tweeting. The year so far, as far as I'm concerned, yeah.
1: Uh... <laughs> no, it's great, and, and I'm joking. I know, obviously, I'm a terrible singer, but I, I, I got to, to meet Michael in London some years ago, back when when travel was possible, and he's a, a lovely person. So thank you for being a friend of the show, Michael, and thank you for joining
0: and playing along with us. Um... Anyway, let's go into let's go into a segment. here. Yeah, I tell you what, let's have a segment that will, like all our segments, last for just one show. John goes deeper.
1: Oh, my God. That was a ter- that was a drum roll. How awful. Hey, <laughs>
0: anyway. you're not a singer. I'm not a drummer. Maybe we should swap roles.
1: <laughs> no, maybe we
0: should just form a band.
1: <laughs> Instead of the white stripes would be the black dashes <laughs> or something, whatever. Anyway, the white, the black dots. All right. So I'm going to shut up now uh, and talk about something serious. So, um it's pretty common in an app to have a uh, type of tutorial screens when you're introducing new features or trying to remind people of, of, of what's going on in the app. And you have to remember that when you're developing it and, and then it comes time to saying, well, how do I make this accessible? And you think, well, okay, well all we have to do is turn on some voiceover and, and put on some accessibility labels and we'll be done. You know, and all we have to do is make sure that it scales properly to respect preferred content size. So um, that's already happening. But, Something I think that I'm constantly reminded of is that when engineers are testing to see, does their voiceover work, work, they'll just like, you know, turn on voiceover and start moving their finger around the screen to activate, activate certain elements and say, do you hear something? I'll say, yep, heard something, got it done, ship it. And then (laughs) I come by and have a look at and I take my three fingers and I tap three times on the screen to turn on screen curtain, which is what simulates for a sighted user what it's actually like not to be able to see the screen because it just blanks out what's on the screen. So you then are forced to depend on the, the accessibility labels that are giving your elements. And, and if you find that it's not clear, then we have a problem. And so one of the, the issues uh, that became immediately obvious when I was helping somebody was that there was nothing to set the context for what's going on. and and because full screen overlays, oftentimes the way that they work is that you may have some type of card that has text and icons to be able to highlight something. And then maybe the elements being highlighted may be made larger. There may be an animation. They may, you know, be highlighted while the rest of the background is kept dark. For example, there's any number of different kind of visual design cues that you can give to a, 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 a person that to say that, hey, this is an overlay. Now, if you can't see anything, there's obviously no contrast between what's dark on the screen and what's highlighted. So if you don't have a title that says, hi, this is a tutorial, you know, swipe right, swipe to the next item, for example. And when I first looked at it and it said swipe right, it's like, well, hold on a second. Is it it the same direction if you're doing right to left languages? It's not. So what happens is that then you're swiping to the next element that's in there. um, And... Then, if the element is describing, you know, tap here, and it doesn't say, well, where is here? Is it at the top of the screen? Is it at the bottom? Is it the side? Is it the middle? Then that's also not very helpful. So, you know, putting in the actual language that gives a clue as to where relative, because people can figure out where the top and the bottom of the screen is, it's easy enough to do. Um, and those little details, which make it make all the difference in the world, are critically important. Um, and so that, that was the first thing that I saw. And then there was a, another a question that came to me and they're saying, it's like, Hey, we have this problem where a user is, is filling out a, a form and, and then all of a sudden I have to make a voiceover announcement. It's like, why are you making a voiceover announcement? Because the way that voiceover works is that it passes control from element to element and screen to screen as layouts change and whatnot, where, uh, you know, you have an element that's highlighted and it's it. Now, if, if you have a screen that disappears and the cursor has to go somewhere, you know, if you had a modal overlay, then it will go to the next item that is considered the first accessibility element of the screen behind it. And that may not be what you think. So imagine that you have, you know, a, a screen where you fill out some data and you tap send or, or whatever, and then that screen disappears and there's no confirmation. If you're a voiceover, you know, user like, hey, what happened? Did this succeed? And when the problem was presented to me, it's like as a as a voiceover technical problem. They say, "Well, show me the design. Where does it look like? What, you know, what happens for the the path of a sighted user?" And then they said, "Oh, well, there is no confirmation." It's like, okay, well, this is a design problem first and foremost. It's not a voiceover problem. There really ought to be some confirmation because that helps the sighted user as much as as somebody who's blind. And it also it solves the problem for you because then you have an element to focus on. So you know that was interesting. And then the last tidbit I'll give. Uh, which is purely technical, has to do with how you, you know, how you make voiceover navigate a page scroll view well, because that's a common thing that you have where, you know, you can have free scrolling, but oftentimes you have to have it kind of snap to place, page scrolling. So swipe, swipe, swipe until the card is, is exposed and then stop, right? And so that can be actually kind of tricky because you have to – how does a voiceover user know that, that there's something can be swiped? That's what an accessibility hint beforehand where it explicitly says, hey, swipe to get to the next one. And so when you have a swiping gesture for, for voiceover, it basically will highlight each of the different elements. It will cycle through each of the different defined accessibility elements on the screen. And there's an API that says, uh, I forgot the exact name of it, but it's basically accessibility did give focus. It basically means it's what gets called if you implement it in your view or in your, you know, in your container, in your view control, wherever, it will, get, it will get called when an element gets focused. And so what's nice about it is you can think, imagine a collection view that has four or five cells in it, right? And so each cell may be treated as an, as an accessibility element with its own label. And then what's nice is that you can be told that, hey, I've landed on it. So as you're swiping through, what you would notice is that um, it's not actually scrolling the view, it's just basically advancing to the next element. But when it does get focused, you can then programmatically scroll the view and then do whatever else you need. And so you can have an experience that is, is the same as for a sighted user, but adapted to make things work. So I hope all that makes sense. Um, I'll probably have to put some things in the show notes, but that was uh, a little bit of the work I was doing yesterday and a couple of days before. Um, and it just is a reminder that uh, that accessibility more than anything else is a design problem before it's a technical problem. So now I'm going to be quiet for a moment. Oh my God, are you still there? Did I lose you?
0: No, I am still here. We were just being okay. quiet together for a moment together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <So. laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how looking at, um, I mean, not just necessarily from accessibility, but looking at um, a problem from a different perspective um, or, you know, the way someone else might see or in the case of sometimes of accessibility not see, um, it it often will highlight a problem that isn't just about that perspective, but that perspective happens to highlight it more yes which is which is why um you know this you and i think this is often why qa couldn't work so well within companies because you know qa have not been involved in necessarily the development decisions or the design decisions with the designers they just see it often sometimes new along with the goals and which is why sometimes qa people can then find a whole bunch of stuff that you know, it's been staring everyone else in the face for weeks or months, even, but just haven't been seen because you're too too familiar with with everything. So that's um, yeah. So that's interesting to, to to just hear you know how that. Was, came for you that this year. This wasn't an accessibility problem. It was just a problem. Accessibility mm-hmm. highlighted it. Exactly. Now, and interesting enough, we've just in the last few weeks, um, not from an accessibility point of view, um, but just from a pure design point of view, we've commissioned someone to to take Moneywell as an app, and... Um, not the current shipping version, but the current beta version that, in there, and we've just given it to them, with no instructions or no whatever else. And say, "Here's our app. Go away, and here's the website. Go away and use it, and um, write a report for us on anything that confused you, anything that you couldn't work out how to work, anything you know, that you thought and then turned out to be false or or whatever else. Just so, for you know, the first time." For us, in a long time, we can um uh you know we can get an idea of how other people see this application when they first see it in a way that's a little bit more you know uh, formal and documented for us on our behalf, so we're interested to see how that comes back um the person looking at it is does you know um of u x the u i sort of experience so they can look at it uh it they will also be looking at it from a point of view of what they may be expected to see as much as what they did see um yeah and now we know that it's ter- a terrible first user experience we know that um it's you know the app has got a lot of stuff in it and we've had this conversation before and it just starts up and you don't really know what to do and which this is partly why i think lots of people use money in such a funny way because they don't know there is a different way to use it because we're not very clear on it but you know we're looking forward to um Hearing uh, what this person is going to say, and then you know, I uh, guess more interestingly, how we respond to it. But um, yeah, again, it's just like taking a totally fresh perspective. Um, you know, the only thing I know is it's called MoneyWell, and it's a home budgeting home budgeting app. That's all we've told them, um, and um, yeah, good to see how that goes.
1: Did you make it even more interesting and challenging by handing it to a Windows user? <laughs>
0: that would, that would have been quite quite interesting as well just to just to see what the report said but there we are <laughs> where's the start button <laughs> yeah oh we're at that stage now with money well uh we we've opened the beta up a little bit more so uh last week we put out a uh the next beta release um and opened it up so i think um Maybe eighty or ninety people now who have it um, and they're using it, and so we're starting to see um, a few more reports comes in of things going wrong. Um, not you know not you know horrendously huge numbers or or whatever else, but it's really. And sometimes you know it's oh I don't know how to do this or the UI wasn't obvious for that or is there any UI for this? And the answer is, oh no, we forgot that bit (laughs) or whatever it might be. But then there are the really difficult ones that like, okay, um, I'm syncing and I've got two of everything or, uh, you know, it's, I didn't see anything for ages. And then a day later, everything appeared. And that side of stuff is like, you know, it's, we sort of knew this was the case, but it's like being proven, it's that's it's virtually impossible to work out why because you know we it, it's not happening for everyone obviously otherwise it would have you know been you know, we would have seen everyone saying um we've got these problems or at least more people than than we do so when you get this odd case and of course cuz we're using um cloudkit as the uh uh, the back end for this, we have zero visibility into it at all, absolutely zero. Whereas if we'd stuck with our original plan, which was to use our own back end and our own servers, which we didn't for reasons we've discussed other times on this podcast and, and whatever else, you know, we could at least see what was going on, follow the log for whatever else for for this stuff. So you know, we're in this position right now saying, okay, we have these few users, not that many, who are having... Issues that if they happen to lots of users, I mean, suddenly having all your transactions uh, double up um, is not useful in a budgeting app, particularly if they're expenditure transactions. <laughs> you suddenly realise you've got a lot of a budget. Yeah, so just try to work out now: do we? You know, firstly, what? What? How can we recreate this? How? Can, what's? What's caused this? Um, and this user, this one particular user, has tried it on a couple of machines um and gets the same results so um but we're not satisfied so it is just open this whole conundrum of yeah we always knew this would be difficult and now we're being faced with some of these things we sort of hoped a year ago when we were talking about these things by time we got to here we would have an idea of how we could look at these issues but it turns out we don't really so um Again, some people are prepared to, you know, it's a little bit difficult because people often test with real financial data. They're importing a file and that causes the problem and they're not necessarily going to want to send you their bank transaction file. So if you create dummy ones, you can't be sure, you know, is it because this particular bank has chosen to use some weird character in, you know, a certain field of the CSV they provide that is causing problems because we were, you know, that is then getting some other thing. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a bit difficult. So it's going to be, I think, challenging and maybe even interesting over the next few weeks to see if we, you know, how we solve this or even if we do manage to solve it or whether in the end we just have to say, look, there is always going to be a small percentage of users for which something is going to just totally screw up. And, you know, We've just got to live with that at some point because we don't really know how to solve it otherwise. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case, but there we are.
1: Better get some lawyers on staff.
0: Yeah, got to get the Euler up together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you if you install this software, you deserve whatever you get. That's basically yeah. yeah it's uh, um, yeah. So it's uh, I mean this has only started coming in this week, so hopefully you know next couple of weeks we'll have some breakthroughs on that, but we will we will see. The joy of sing.
1: <laughs> it's a voice to sing. Well, I mean, it reminds me of the what was it? Warren Zevon's song, "Bring Lawyers, Guns, and Money," <laughs> <I think. laughs> and a drummer who pretends he can sing, <laughs> or a singer who pretends he can drum. Ah,
0: oh, talking of money. About this time of year, we all used to be deciding whether we were going to spend any or not um, by going to WWDC. As you mentioned earlier on, some of us used to go, used to go to the uh, comic uh, museum and in, in whatever else for you know, some other events and whatever else. Um, Apple have announced this year uh, that WWDC is once again going to be online. Um June the sixth, I think it is. June the sixth to the tenth. Um, we've had a conversation about the the pros and cons of online for the last two years now, so I, yeah, we don't probably need to to rejig that. Other than maybe to to summarise of saying that I, I think we agreed that the the presentation of the information was far better with the online event, but obviously the the loss of networking was sad and maybe even damaging to some people, but definitely sad to most most people. So I I was interested to see that in the very brief announcement we've had so far on this year's DubDub, Call to Code, I think is its title, um, that although it's an online event, Apple are going to set up a special day for developers and students at Apple Park on the 6th of June, so the opening day, to it initially says to watch the keynote and state of the union, and I thought, oh, oh, that, that that's initially interesting. You know, people can go see the keynote and the state of the union, but then it, I sort of read a little bit further and saw, no, it's to get together to watch the keynote and state of the union videos. So it's interesting that they they've obviously decided that presenting the data by video is the best way of doing it for all this stuff. And, and, yeah, we've got used to Apple product announcements by video over the last year or two, and they are very slick. And on the whole, they've got very, very good at it. Not that they were that bad at it, but um, and not that um keynotes were, were that bad, but they've really got in, you know, began to hone this art of you know, the video keynote. But it is interesting that, you know, some people, and I'm guessing this is only going to be sort of like Local people, no one's going to fly into the country for this, can get together and watch the the keynote videos and um, on the opening day, the day that they're released to everyone else. Uh, So I found that interesting. And obviously, John, as a local, is that something that would interest you?
1: Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think that. I'm imagining where are they going to hold it? I assume that they're going to put it in whatever the Apple Park Theater, which I can't remember how many people it holds. I've been there once for uh, you know a shareholders meeting. It's not that big, so I imagine it's going to you know. It would be one thing if they were going to erect kind of you know tents and and so on and so forth on our campus to be able to to host a thousand people or, or you know some meaningfulish number, but it, it seems like it's going to be a little bit of a Willy Wonka gold card you know gold ticket thing. So that it will be nice and I think it's more just an experience that 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 students and 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 maybe new to the platform people or you know super devoted super fanboy developers like oh my gosh I get to go to apple park and for for from that point of view it could be really exciting to be able to do it. I don't think it's going to come anywhere near to the experience of of having, you know, over a couple of days or at least over the course of a day the possibility of meeting people face to face that you've kind of conversed with on Twitter or online somewhere um or the ability to, to to get help and ask questions. So it will, I'm curious to see if if you know there will be any alt like conference that so that that saying forget about about you know the specific things that are going on at Dub Dub because you'll be able to watch it at, you know at length at any time and go over the tutorials. But you know it still is great once a year or hopefully more than once a year as a developer you get to meet your colleagues and sit down for even those golden five minutes where you can say, hey, I've been really struggling with this. And for somebody who either is very expert at it or just gives the new eye a look at it, it's like, yeah, no, try it that way. And that five-minute intervention flips the way of, of thinking about it and makes you succeed at, at problems you'd been struggling with. And I think that that's still one of the best things about meeting in person. Um, and I don't know whether... whether yeah, certainly, I guess, for the people who do win the golden ticket, that will absolutely be the case. But I don't see Apple's, you know, invitation of a small number of people to be there is anything of them saying it's like, hey, we're going to find out how to do a hybrid conference. So that if you physically can get somewhere, we will make the networking and, and educational opportunities there while the content is always available everywhere, who anywhere if somebody has an Internet connection. And that is the, the, the world that we live in now. You know, maybe they'll do true hybrid conferences next year if it's clearly not happening this year.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, there used to be lots of the third party conferences. Um, uh, Obviously, there was always Old Conf, and then I think Layers have been going for quite a few years. And Cocoa Conf, I believe, used to be in the hotels next door to Dub Dub when it was in the convention center, Um, both of them. And they would obviously show the keynote live streaming and then have their own sessions. And everyone was in town, and lots of people would go to town without a Dub Dub ticket to go. To these conferences, so I'd be interested to see if I don't think we're going to see live WWWC come back ever personally um, because I think Apple have realized that they can, you know, as we said, the, the, for Apple, this is primarily about the distribution of information of what has gone on for the last, you know, what is new. And I think they have recognized that doing it the way they're doing it now online is a far more inclusive and better way of presenting that information. Um I'm not sure Apple themselves gained a huge amount by having people in the room, um, uh, other than maybe press. And, you know, it, and this will be. Even though the we think oh this cost of videos and everything compared to the cost of running the conference and having a thousand engineers on site and whatever else this must be you know, peanuts in in comparison. So yeah, um, Tim Cook can have an extra couple of dollars in his pay packet in June because of the <laughs> money he saved. Um, so yeah, so so it will be interesting to see if if though the the alternative culture around WWDC um, builds up again um, around that, or whether it really won't ever get that momentum without the actual conference being there. Of course, I could be totally wrong, and next year they could say, we're back, and this is the best way and the way we've always wanted to do it. But I don't think
1: they will. Well, I guess it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen, holographic James Dempsey and the two-dimensional breakpoints.
0: Well, not if there's an alternative, if an alternative scene builds up and alt Conf and layers and coco Uh, maybe even just a w-dub watching comp for whatever, if Apple give permission for the videos to be done that way, um, build up and, you know, the community still say, yeah, let's get together in San Francisco or or San Jose or or wherever.
1: Or everywhere. Um, um,
0: uh, There. And maybe even, you know, Apple could do, um, you know, a dub dub beer bash type event, just a one-off during the week for people to, you know, apply for tickets for and, and come to so they engage with it, you yeah, know, because that's, um, you know, because that might be fun and that might be to show that they're, you know, supporting the community or whatever. Uh, but I think, yeah, the, the whole five-day dub-dub conference is gone. So, yeah, would be interested to see, you know, where, where it ends up, if anyway, because it'd be sad if it just because it was the big event of the year for people to go to it was where you did catch up with the most people. You know, I, I, I've go back across the years and think about, you know, how many people I know because I met them at Dub Dub, um, or I'd heard of, or they'd heard of me. Um, but then we met at Dub Dub and that relationship became more real. So, um, yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. But anyway, it's good to know that we're going to be shown some stuff to learn. And, um, and uh, get to see uh, over the, um, uh, you know, in just a few weeks now, really. June's not that far away, is it? So there we go.
1: We have something to look forward to. You know what our listeners would like to look forward to? The end of this episode. <laughs> there, uh,
0: do you know why people look forward to the end of this episode, John? Because, because I'm so mean? No, because if this episode ends it means it's not long till the next episode when they get to hear you sing again.
1: That's exactly what it is. Thank you, Scotty. Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) Right. So, folks, uh, John, uh, if people would um, like to make further comments on your tonal qualities, uh, where should they do that? (laughs)
1: they should do it on the place where nothing but happy tones ring out throughout the land and that's twitter where you'll find me as Jembe. that's dj embe like the west african drum and scotty if people want to contribute to your earplug fund where might they do
0: that well actually i think you know if you people wish to donate cash i will do my best to stop john singing <laughs> Good. oh look i've just paid off my mortgage um... <laughs> Uh, People can do that on Twitter, uh, where I am, MacDevNet. Yes, folks, please do continue to talk to us on uh, Twitter, even if it's insults. We love them. Don't you, John? (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) And there we are. And uh, Tweet of the Year has gone to Michael, so therefore Georg needs to get his act together. (laughs) Mm, mm. well Well, folks thanks for listening Um, hopefully there's been something in there that has interested you uh, aroused your um, whatever needed arousing or um, (laughs) yes (laughs) or some other thing that I can't think of right now (laughs) thanks for listening and until next time
1: you take care
0: (音楽) Thank you.